you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? dramatic or like sort of understatement or what this is a land that prays for a hero the humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival you are listening to greening the apocalypse on triple r102.7 fm Yes, welcome, 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 one and all, to this week's edition of Greening the Apocalypse, three triple R's weekly kick to the nether regions of the corporate green wash machine. Bush is my name and it's good to be back, having uh, been away for a few weeks in the tropics where uh, I was forced to come to terms with the fact that uh, I am a very white person from uh, very cold northern climes and uh, the grinding, grinding, grinding chafe on my inner thighs in the tropics is not necessarily something that I'm... Well evolved to deal with, mentally and physically. Regular co-conspirator Adam Grubb is away this evening. He's not feeling well at all. I'm willing to put it down to bad luck or correlate it directly to the fact that last night there was a pre-radiothon gathering and much beer here. But um, it may not be cause and effect. <laughs> uh, joining us on rotation is the shark puncher and now the Hokkaido bear whisperer. <laughs> Very awesome, Sarah Coles. How are you, Coles? I haven't seen you in ages. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. I nearly fell off a mountain yeah, since I, I saw you last. So don't talk about chafing with your thighs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. No, I won't. Well, I probably will later. It's inevitable. <laughs> um, I've, I've never bought talcum powder before, but oh, I have now. Yeah. Mm, my daughter You've got walked two in. kids. Didn't you coat them in it when they're little? Uh, no, we use that red can- canister, you know, the pawpaw cream or bum cream, as it's collectively called in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. My, my daughter, three years old, walked into the bathroom one morning and she asked me why I was um, shaking flour onto my doodle. So that was an explanation. Talcum powder looks suspiciously like flour to her. Am I giving too much away during dinner time? Just ring Maybe. in and tell me if I am. Or um, subscribe. Or subscribe. Bit more about that later. Uh, the bicycle master whisperer, the all-round fabulous person and smooth panel operator is Jed McCartney, and he is running the show tonight. How are you, Jed? I'm well. Welcome back, Bushy. It's Thanks. nice to have copious amounts of hair back in the studio. <laughs> Tonight's guest is Lachlan Simpson. Lachlan's Twitter description reads, Overly optimistic, unfailingly polite, boringly serious and childishly absurd. He is a Victorian Senate candidate for the Pirate Party of Australia. He has worked in a, as an Australian aid volunteer in the Pacific Island nation of Kiribati and spent 20 years working with independent media and free and open source software communities Tonight we're going to be talking to him about this strange creature called Bitcoin and he's going to explain a bit about that and the environmental effects of it. Welcome, Lachlan. Good evening. How's it going? Very well. Great mic technique. You are certainly a former broadcaster. (laughs) I know how it works. Nice. Um, One of the foundational aspects of of Bitcoin, to my understanding, is what's commonly referred to as blockchain technology. Yep. Can you give us a sort of a blockchain for dummies or, you know, in my case, blockchain for gardeners um, explanation. <laughs> sure. So the uh, the philosophical or the, um, I guess, the, the political aspect of it is that traditional currencies uh, are backed by governments mm-hmm. and ledgers are kept by, both by governments and banks and uh, 
credit card companies and those ledgers are exactly what they say they are. Mm. You, you have this much money, this much has been taken out, uh, it's been sent to that person or that, that organisation and vice versa. Yep. In the Bitcoin currency, that is all controlled by the bit chain, or the, the blockchain. Um, so in that sense, there's no way for any particular government or organisation to stop payments going ahead. Mm. Uh, so one thing that we've found with, you know, uh, well, even boycotts, you can prevent money from going to certain places and governments and organisations can mm. say, we're just not going to pass that money on. So we're as re- an example, maybe rogue states or um, military dictatorships, those sorts of things. Or uh, recently, relatively recently, people donating to WikiLeaks had their payments denied by PayPal because the American government said, look, just don't, uh-huh. you know, do those transactions, please. And so Shit, the oh. money never left your account and it never went to WikiLeaks and any money in the WikiLeaks account that PayPal had was sort of appropriated. Uh-huh. Um, so you can't stop that from happening. Can you send cash in a Christmas card? Uh, yeah, not <laughs> by Bitcoin. Embassy. To the embassy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I by no means advocate or, or represent WikiLeaks at all. But, um, Sounds like that, you do. That's, a, that's an, <laughs> an example that we can use. Um, so that's the, the sort of philosophical and political back, background. Um, the technical aspect of that is, so how do we make sure that when I... I, I say I have $10 and I give you $10. Mm. How do we now know that I can't also give Sarah $10, the same $10? How do we ah. stop that from happening? We need to have a ledger to prevent me from giving away money I don't have or what's known as the double spend problem. Mm. And to solve the double, double spend problem, we have the blockchain and the software that drives the blockchain. And that is essentially uh, a distributed network of computers set up by hobbyists and, and entrepreneurs and, and miners Bitcoin miners, and that distributed system copies the ledger amongst themselves, amongst other things. That's what it does. And so uh, because nobody has more than 50% of the computing power that that drives uh, the blockchain, nobody can uh, interrupt or, or, you know, lie and then make the blockchain do what it says because it's in some ways a a democratic, for want of a better term, distributed ledger system. Are the ledgers completely open so you can see anything at any time that's happening? Uh, Ostensibly, yes, although, um, and this is part of the mining aspect, the blockchain is quite large now, so you'll be um, processing parts of it. And if you have enough uh, compute power, you can analyse where money's coming from and where it's going to. But it's important to remember that you are in some ways anonymous. So with enough compute power, you could put fingers on names behind numbers. But in general, that's uh, a large amount of compute power that most people don't have access to and is not necessarily worth it depending on how much you want to know that information. So I'd imagine there are certain organisations within certain federal governments that can, but on the whole, most people can't or, or don't bother to draw the links between, you know, Lachlan is this 10-figure digit and uh, he is giving money to that 10-figure digit and we know that that 10-figure digit belongs to Sarah. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of value in that. So that that system prevents me sending my 10 bitcoins simultaneously to Bushy and Sarah? Yes. Okay. Yep. So That's the, not wow. fair. And yeah. So no. Can we just, sorry, I've got to go really slowly with this stuff. (laughs) That's fine. Can you explain to the listeners exactly what Bitcoin is as well? Sure. 
So in return for donating your computer power to process the blockchain, uh, every random number of mining actions that you do, depending on how lucky you are, will deliver you a Bitcoin. So you can make Bitcoins monetarily for free. But obviously, as you know, Mm. there's the energy cost of running your computer Mm. um, and running your CPU cycles, and there's not actually a guaranteed payoff because it's a, it's a randomized system that de- depends on a number of factors that I won't go into. So you create Bitcoins by um, helping spread the blockchain and make the blockchain stronger, yep. so to speak. Um, and then the monetary value of the Bitcoin, which according to my phone is currently 736 Australian dollars, roughly, uh, is... But the, whole, the whole shooting match is worth that currently. <laughs> is it? No, 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 no a, that's a one Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. sorry. One so it, it's gone up a fair bit. I mean, uh, the last time I heard it <laughs> so was So you'll like have to it. really pardon me. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. Adam, fine. if you're listening, <laughs> so, Sorry. So I think there's a, a top limit on the number of Bitcoins that can be produced. Okay. And, uh, that they expect to reach that number sometime in 2140, yep. apparently. Um, and it's around 21 million yep. Bitcoins, I yep. believe. But that value is arbitrary like the value of any stock well actually even less so than the stock of a a given company yeah so it's worth that much because that's how much people are willing to pay for it yes okay so it's so it's effectively it's a an extension in some strange way of speculative economies and Mm. very much so yeah yeah um and it does have a lot of interest from the top end of town um because it is a very interesting technology um, but one, I would say one of the political critiques I have of Bitcoin is that for all of it, all its advantages, like uh, payments can't be prevented from happening mm-hmm. between organisations or individuals uh, and the an- anonymity and, and that kind of stuff, it also prevents taxing. Mm. And I'm not, I don't want to sound like some sort of mad tax advocate, but I do like the fact that we have a free education mm. uh, up until the end of high school. I like the fact that we have a free health system yep. as much as we can do, roads, all of this sort of stuff yeah. gets paid for by our tax dollars and, and when some individuals can get around paying taxes, especially on international transactions, yep. then we don't just have a problem. The whole world has a problem because yep. no federal government will be able to tax Bitcoin. Right. So th- so Bitcoin is part of a, a movement of what we call the cryptocurrency movement i suppose or, yeah. or for one of a better way is there other cryptocurrencies out there yeah old currencies yeah, yeah there's a number of them not all of them are as popular as bitcoin and mm. some of them are jokes and they're all speculative and i mean you can I, I haven't actually done the research but i'd imagine there's at least a dozen and probably more yep there are people constantly trying to improve upon the bitcoin um code base mm-hmm. which one of the problems they have is that uh, to make a change to the code base, you need to have more than 50% of the users agree to that change because they all yeah, need right. to change their system simultaneously. Recently, there was a big, uh, an, old, uh, an old currency that did end up forking because one section of the group decided to change how it worked and another section decided not to change. And so they've now become two currencies and I would imagine that will actually lead to their demise as currencies. But so you're saying the top end of town are interested in it? 
can you essentially invest in it like shares can you buy you know uh, rather than generating bitcoins could you go and buy you know absolutely. two bitcoins with your 1500 bucks or yeah whatever? you can yep and in fact bitcoins can be what's known as shredded which just essentially you know like you take a dollar and turn it into 100 cents you can um oh. take a a portion of your bitcoin and uh and just buy a portion if you'd like to. Yep. Uh, there's some great Australian startups who uh, have created Bitcoin wallets. And um, so you go to a broker, a Bitcoin broker online, and you purchase the Bitcoins and they ask you for where you would like those Bitcoins to be delivered and you can get it sent to your email address. But having an online wallet is very similar to having a PayPal account. It gives you a place where you can readily uh, use those bitcoins um from which is a lot easier than getting yeah, it delivered to your email address given some of the uh, stuff people trade in you know some of the um the different products that they talk about i'm surprised that people haven't launched into this like investors particularly well the reason it hit that level was due to the website silk road which no longer exists but silk road essentially traded in uh narcotics and other types of you could buy some illicit stuff materials. Didn't you and Adam set that up when you were housemates? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Um, I heard something weird about Bitcoin that you can, in America, there's some subway stores where you can use Bitcoin to purchase a sandwich and you get a discount. Yes. Have you heard about that? Yes. There's a lot of sandwiches in one Bitcoin, isn't there? <laughs> You'd have to be hungry. But yeah, um, is that going to happen here? Like, is there going to be more Bitcoin transactions? Or I, I don't think so. Not in its current state. I get the feeling that Bitcoin was a major breakthrough philosophically and um, for the psyche, like the general human psyche. It was quite a breakthrough. Uh, it, It should be made clear that. The cryptocurrency, the people who developed the cryptocurrencies um, have been advocating for this kind of thing for over 30 years. It didn't just appear out of nowhere. They've been advocating for a distributed um, federal government free currency for quite a long time and they've been uh, processing ideas. This was the first one that was successful. But I've got a feeling that improved systems will more likely to take off because they will be more efficient and controlled mm. let's face it um bitcoin was invented by an australian wasn't it uh it was in it was invented by somebody who calls himself satoshi yeah uh a, i can't remember the second name maybe nakamura a nakamoto. Anas, uh, nakamoto thank you an australian has claimed to be satoshi is he do you think he's telling the truth that guy no it's weird isn't it um, so there's videos you can see some guy who says that he Dr. Craig Wright says he created Bitcoin. Mm. You can check that out. So I think one of the fallacies of the Bitcoin movement is this idea that you get a, you get a uh, discount at Subway because, for instance, when you pay for your um, sandwich at Subway with a Visa card, Visa charges you for um, using the card and they also charge the, the retailer yep. a percentage of the, of the sale cost. So the retailer builds that into the cost of the sandwich um, and that you'll see that at cafes where they say $10 minimum or $15 minimum if you're going to use a card Bitcoin currently doesn't have that um, transactional cost yeah. so that's where the discount comes from the fallacy being that 
that's how it is at the moment, but there's no sort of major um, player in the field. And look what happened to PayPal. They're now one of the very few uh, online car- um, mm. payment systems. They charge. Yeah. And yeah. I'd imagine at some point someone will be the gorilla in the room or some organisation will be the gorilla in the room. Mm. Everyone uses them. Everyone trusts them. Mm. They'll start charging. Yeah. Mm. So it is a bit of a fallacy in that, in that regard, I think. I just got a message from uh, Nerida from Livewire, a bit of cross-promotion there. Um, she's saying uh, Coinjar in Australia has the equivalent of an FPOS card that can be used anywhere that takes FPOS and you use your book. Bitcoin to pay. Absolutely, yeah. That was, uh, and it was, I think the user experience for that was developed by uh, a friend of Triple R's, Helveticade, on Twitter. And I highly recommend his tweet stream. He's a very entertaining individual right. um, and incredibly intelligent. Absolutely recommended Helveticade. Awesome. Hey, uh, we'll go to our next track. We're talking with Lachlan Simpson about uh, Bitcoin, um, that great decentralized um, and uh, anonymous currency exchange system after the break we'll have a bit of a chat about um its sustainability how long can it go on because uh, as much as we can decentralize it uh, we still need to power it triple r not for everyone for anyone Triple R is where you are and you are listening to Greening the Apocalypse. Our guest in the studio this evening is Lachlan Simpson and he is discussing with us Bitcoin, that um, somewhat mysterious and decentralised cryptocurrency that has been the talk of the town lately. Uh, We were talking a bit about the transactions and um, all the other things surrounding Bitcoin before that track, Lachlan. Uh, One of the things that we do need to talk about uh, is the uh, inherent energy drawdown that uh, Bitcoin requires. Can we talk a bit about that and just maybe compare it to other digital uh, exchanges and, and, and so on? Absolutely. I think it's worth noting, as I did during the break, that I'm by no means an expert, but mm-hmm. I've got some stats in front of me so we can kind of look at those. Yep. Um, Bitcoin is completely created by uh, CPU cycles which means that there's a massive amount of uh, energy required. I'm, I actually don't know what a CPU cycle is. What's that stand for? Just uh, computer hours, okay. the number of hours your computer's turned on yep. and that it's doing nothing else but, but you know, okay. sometimes it can be running in the background. Yep. Um, and, yeah, there's cooling involved. There's the energy in building the computers in the first place, the air conditioning mm. involved. Um, and we were talking before about changing the code base of uh, Bitcoin. So one of the efficiencies that they're looking at at the moment or trying to get through is to make the code more energy efficient. Um, unfortunately, it's very difficult to change one, now that it's out there, but they're trying to change it. Um, but one of the advantages of having a very expensive uh, electrical cost is that it's a disincentive for people to... Uh, try and take over the bitcoin because right. the costs then become unmanageable uh supposedly <laughs> um, so for it to be go from being decentralized to being centralized and owned by someone it's yeah no one would dare want to actually front up to those bills on their own yeah or might not be able to afford to mm. um what if they do it in a country where electricity costs are really low yes this is a possibility and i think uh there's evidence that there are large Bitcoin mines in uh, the developing world in yeah. particular, countries where electricity might be cheap because of the nature of their development or uh, other things like corruption and, and where the energy comes from. 
The dark side of Bitcoin. Bitcoin has a number of dark sides and that's one of them. And I think it's actually the one that's talked about less often than some of the more conspiratorial dark sides. So how much... um how much energy does one Bitcoin transaction require? Uh, the numbers are f- fuzzy because of uh, the nature of how it works and how often Bitcoins sort of get mined. But uh, Vice had an article recently where they claimed it cost about as much as um, a day, 1.57 average American houses uh, per Bitcoin um, worth of energy to mine which is quite a lot uh when you get you know for 700 odd dollars that's a lot of energy you would suspect yeah um you can have more efficient computers hang on why does it take so much energy is it because it has to be secure so it takes so much energy because um i'm trying to think of a good analogy I you can do, you if can you do had a l- castle surrounded by lots and lots of soldiers, <laughs> they all need to be fed. And I suppose is that I mean the the metaphor there is that in order to keep this safe, secure, anonymous, and constantly correcting itself. Uh, yeah, and you never know when you're going to be attacked, mm. so to speak. Or I think you know this, the um, fire service is a good example. You need to pay for the fire department to be there all the time, mm. but you don't actually know when the fire is going to happen. In fact, they may never happen. Mm. But you don't want the fire department to not be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because when it does happen, so, so in terms of mining, you can do a lot of mining and never sort of yeah. come up with any coins, but you might get really lucky and come up with one almost immediately. It's, it depends a lot on... Um, so do we have any idea how many people are sitting out there mining uh, in the hope? I mean, it, it, it sort of strikes me it's like Ballarat hundred whatever years ago where everyone's digging and hoping for the... Yeah, and I guess the difference is that we could have drawn a circle around that and counted heads, yeah. whereas these days it's a lot more difficult mm. because it's not people who are doing the mining. It's computers. it's computers and you could have your computer that's currently sitting on the desk um, with your notes running a Bitcoin miner in the background, mm. right? Uh, that's a possibility. So people could do it when they're at work. Yeah, I'm like 762. People can do it while they're at work. And in fact, an ABC employee was sacked. For mining Bitcoin for turning, whilst on uh, the job. turning an ABC server into a Bitcoin miner. <laughs> the, weird part, the weird part being that it was, I don't know, two years later, the Bitcoin went from being like two cents per Bitcoin to hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know, and... Yeah. ABC might have found a new funding source. I was going to say, that could have filled the gap left by funding cuts, big time. So, uh, yeah, I think the ABC probably made the right decision, although they might be ruining it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just imagining Tony Jones on Q&A with his big Bitcoin T-shirt, just taking no <laughs> shit from anybody. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Um, what do you think is going to happen? Like, is there a way to make it? Is it going to be sustainable in 20 years from now or...? Um, that's a difficult question to answer for a number of reasons. You've got like three the, minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the first reason I would say is uh, it's difficult because it's hard to know where technology will go and yeah. it's hard to know where society will go. So in that time, we're expecting to see the end of cars or the end of humans in cars and that will change the way society works. Uh, there's potential for climate change, which will change how we live our lives um, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Then we have advances in computer technology and, and potentially bigger and stronger CPUs. There's the question of does 
uh, Bitcoin get to change its code base so that it is more efficient. Mm. There's the story of do federal governments or Visa or the ANZ come in with their special Bitcoin that trumps this one and takes off and turns this one into something that's worthless mm. um, in the same way that, you know, when you were making wooden handles for axes – oh, sorry – wooden heads for axes that was great until somebody came and made a stone head for an axe and mm. suddenly it doesn't matter how good you are at making a wooden head for an axe yeah. the stone person's going to win and then the yep. metal person's going to beat them again you're still a skilled craftsman but no one wants to buy your stuff so i think there's potential in the cryptocurrency realm but i don't think the i think the bitcoin is just the first baby step towards that rather than the end uh, the, the one that we'll be talking about in 20 years. Mm. Napster came and disappeared, but we mm. know what Napster is. Indeedy. It's an interesting discussion and uh, probably one that we could return to at another time. I'm sure it's um, been discussed all over the place. Uh, and thanks for coming in to talk about it tonight, Lachlan. Thank you very much for having me. Triple R is where you've been at for the last hour listening to Greening the Apocalypse. We will see you next Tuesday, but until then, have all the fun. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.